0: <laughs> and laughs Theater of the Mind The best love programs from radio's golden age Only on Zoomer Radio Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor Well, thank you, and welcome to the show At the half hour, we'll drop in for a visit with Bud Abbott and Lou Costello but first it's back to 1944 and Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons, who's on the case of the girl who sang.
1: Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons, is on the air. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the makers of Kalanos Toothpaste present Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons, one of the most famous characters of American fiction and one of radio's most thrilling dramas. Tonight and every Thursday night from 7.30 to 8.00 Eastern Wartime, the famous All investigator will take from his files and bring to us one of his most celebrated missing persons cases. But first, for bright, sparkling teeth, a million dollar smile, try the new Colonel toothpaste. It's a high polishing toothpaste that acts like a jeweler's polish, removing tarnish from silver. Safely, speedily, it whisks away dingy surface stains that cloud your smile and reveals the full natural brilliance of your teeth. Get the new high polishing colonos at any drugstore tonight. Ask for Colonel toothpaste. K O L Y N O S. Now, Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons. Tonight, our story opens in one of the great movie palaces of Broadway, the Palladium, where for three weeks, the stage presentation has been a sensational success. Skip Gordon's Review, starring Lola Bennett. As the spotlight cuts across the vast theater to the stage, it falls on a beautiful golden-haired girl, Lola Bennett, singing in the wistful style that has made her a hit overnight. Will I be sorry if I do?
2: Won't
3: you? You've been wonderful to me. I don't know how to thank you. Hold it, everybody. Hold it. Lola will be back
2: with another song later. Meanwhile, a little novelty number from our orchestra. A special arrangement of that outstanding hit, Pistol, Pack, and (laughs) Mama. Take it away, my while yours truly cools off in the wings. Yeah, Joe? I've been stage manager here ten years. I've never seen a gal win over a crowd like Lola. (laughs) Well, kid. Whoa, what are they doing out (laughs) there? Just a pistol sound effect in the number. Don't you like it? I'll take a blockbuster. (laughs) Hey, where is Lola? I thought she'd be here in the wing. She's ducked back to her dressing room, Skip, to fix her makeup. for Lola to go on again.
1: I'll run down and knock on her door,
2: huh? Okay, I'll signal the band to do another chorus meanwhile. On stage, Lola. On stage. Well, Joe, what's here? No answer. Look inside. She's not there. it can't be. I'll ask the doorman if she went out. Well, hurry, Joe. Will you hurry? Hey, Charlie. Yeah, Joe? Have you seen Lola? No, not this way. Lola! 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 Hey, Lola, baby, where are you? Lola! are you? And you say, Mr. Gordon, that she hasn't been seen since she disappeared last night? No, Mr. Keene. In all my years in show business, I've never known anything like it to happen. You tried her home, Mr. Gordon? Uh, Call me Skip, won't you? Sure, we tried her home and no soap. I I don't get it, Mr. Keene. Especially since she knew we were going to give her a farewell party, too, after the show. A farewell party? That was her last performance with my review. She goes into the Skytop Club this weekend at Star Attraction. I made her take the offer. How do you mean? Well, I had her under contract ever since I found her singing in Cleveland six months ago. The minute she got the right song, she went over like wildfire. Now the Skytop wants her. Well, when they sent her the contract, she showed it to me and said... No, Skip.
4: I'm not signing that contract.
2: Oh, don't be crazy, kid. It doubles your pay. It gives you top billing.
4: Skip, you've been just wonderful to me. You taught me how to dress, to carry myself, to really sing. I'm not walking out on you.
2: Look, Lola. Here's another contract. Yours and mine.
3: Well? i have torn it up.
2: I'm no jail warden, baby. You're heading straight for the top, and I'm not holding you back. Not on your life. That was very generous of you. Generous, Mr. King. I love Lola. Even though I've never told her. Never told her? <laughs> she wouldn't See? even have looked at me. Oh, but find Lola, Mr. King. That's all I'm asking. Find Lola. Well, the place to start is obviously the Palladium where she was last seen. That's a famous old house, as I remember. Ah, uh, sure. In the old vaudeville days, we used to talk about making the Palladium. <laughs> when you played there, it meant you were good. Still does. And Lola made it with this engagement? Three smash weeks. All right, let's go. Hello, Charlie. hello, Mr. Gordon. Mm -hmm. By the way, Mr. Keene, this is the stage doorman, Charlie Barnes. How do you do? Glad to know you, sir. You think you'll find her? I'll do my best. A swell little lady. Incidentally, Charlie, uh... You were on duty last night? Yes, sir, Mr. Keene. You're sure she didn't leave the theater? (laughs) She couldn't have. Not without creating a riot. Why? The place was surrounded with autograph hounds. Oh. Well, now, Skip, uh, if we could have a look in her dressing room. Oh, sure, right this way. I told the house manager to leave it exactly the same as it was last night. Good idea. Uh, Thank you, Charlie. Glad to oblige you, Mr. Keene. Well, Skip, I gather your review is staying on at this theater. Yeah, another week. With a replacement for Lola. Uh, here we are now. <laughs> After you. Uh, thank you. Mm. The usual dressing room. Chair, dressing table, wardrobe trunk. Yeah, that's right. And telegrams of congratulations. Pasted up on the mirror. Yeah. Sing, Canary, sing. I love you, I love you, I love you. Repeated it two dozen times. And the telegrams are mostly from Larry Reeves. Reeves? Yeah. Oh, he's a well-known Broadway playboy, isn't he? Yeah, with more money than's good for him, too. And more wives. Married four times. Divorced four times. I gather he wanted Lola for the fifth? Yeah, been making quite a pitch. Even a smart kid like Lola got to believing him. They were almost engaged. Almost? Yeah, he sent Lola a ring last week. Diamond like a headlight. (laughs) It'd burn him when Lola sent it back. Hmm. I suppose this is her costume, trunk. That's right. Uh, Hey... You don't think? Is there a key around? A uh, key? Uh, there's one on the dressing table. Oh, we'll try it. These are her costumes, kitten. Yeah, some of them. I remember others. Oh, where the, Where are they? Well, I, I wouldn't know. Oh, Jeff! Yeah. Hey, Jeff! Yeah. And that's Tommy Toller, my band leader. Hey, Jeff! Yeah. We start the first show in ten minutes. Yeah, I know. This is Mr. King. How do you do? Oh, how do you do? Oh, yeah. You said you were going to ask him to. Hey, that reminds me. Of what, Tommy? Well, I wanted to mention it before, but I didn't want to talk out of turn. Well, come on. Give, Tommy, will you? Oh, you know my goofy saxophonist, Harry Fork. Huh, yeah. Harry's had a crush on Lona for months, hanging around and pestering her day and night. Well, right after you left the stage last night, Skip, and we started Pistol packing Mama, remember? Yeah. Harry signals me. He whispered he's got to leave the stage. Oh, he looks so crazy. I said, all right. So he slips out behind the drapes. Very interesting. And then I don't see him for 15 minutes. And the funny part about it... What was well so funny about it? Oh, hello, Harry. What was so funny? All right. I'll say it right to your face, Harry. You walked off the stage carrying a gun. We all had
1: guns, phony guns, for the pistol-packing number. Now, just
2: a minute. Am I to understand you used guns, pistols, as stage props for the performance of the number of pistol-packing, Mama? Yes, Mr. King. But the rest of us had our guns on stage. He could have had his bloters. Are
1: you trying to say If that? anybody
2: wanted to shoot Lola, that was the time to do it. During all that noise. Oh, you skunk. No, your band leader is right, boss. It was his duty to tell us. Why did you go off the stage? Oh. Because I felt sick. I wanted to take a pill. I told him that. Okay, okay. Okay, nothing. One of these days, you have to get yourself a new saxophone. Uh, hey, Harry, wait a minute oh, now. Wait. Never mind, Skip. And thank you, Mr. Tolan, for this information. Oh, I figured I had to tell you, Mr. Keene. That guy's wacky. Well, the curtain's in five minutes. Yeah, I'll be there. Well, Mr. Keene, how does it add up to you? It doesn't yet. Better get along for your performance, Skip. Performance, yeah. Uh, you'll be sticking around. Right here in the dressing room. Okay. The telegram. I love you. I love you. I love you. Mr.
4: King. Yes? I was waiting until the others went away. Who are you? I'm just a dresser around here. Take care of the performer's clothes.
2: Well?
4: Look, uh, this note. She gave it to me last night. She said that if he came again, I was to give it to him. In excitement last night, I forgot. You better have it.
2: Thank you. Marie!
4: Marie! Oh, Quick, put it in your pocket. That's Larry Reeves,
2: Mr. Keene. You know,
4: the playboy.
2: boy. Hey, Marie, why didn't you answer when I called?
4: Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Reeves. I didn't hear you.
2: Any word yet about Lola?
4: No, Mr. Reeves, nothing. Who's
2: this? Anybody? Can't be. I don't know. Thank you. Gold digger. She's going to run out on me.
4: She's not a gold digger. I... Shut up. I won't have you talk that way about her. I
2: know her kind. Playing hard to get. Come and find me. When I do, I'll wring her little neck. Break every bone in her body.
4: Oh, he's just awful, that Mr. Reed. Thinks that for money he can have anything. But Miss Bennett's not his kind. What about this note? She said to give it to him if he came around again to bother her. She
2: was expecting last night.
4: Every night. The doorman was told to keep him out, but there's a way of coming through the front of the house, Mr. King. Oh, I see. Uh, don't open that note here, please, sir.
2: Very well. And if Mr. Skip Gordon asks for me, tell him I went back to my office. I'll have you know, Miss Ellis, I don't make a practice of reading other people's mail. But, could This is a matter of life or death, perhaps. Oh, come on. What does it say? Well, I'll read it. Dear Mary, I've sent back your ring, and that must end it. In my 26 years, I found there is one quality in people that I cannot stand. Selfishness. It once cost me a terrible lot. The worst years of my life. If I married you, it would be the same all over again. Well... So it must be goodbye. And please stop threatening
3: Please?
2: Selfishness. The worst years of my life.
3: What does it mean? Yes, what?
2: As a matter of fact, Miss Ellis, we know almost nothing about Lola Bennett. Skip has known her only six months, and she's uh, never talked of the past. Well, what's
4: the difference? This note points straight to Reed.
2: And other evidence points to Forbes, the musician. No... I've got to know a whole lot more about that girl there's only one way to find out mm-hmm. how you know the uh, weekly newspaper footlights oh
4: sure the Bible of show business
2: well, I'd like Mike Clancy to go back through their files and dig up every single mention that was ever made of Lola Bennett
4: right mr. Keene. now get hold of Mike at once uh-huh.
1: people under suspicion in the disappearance of Lola Bennett, and Mr. Keene goes on with his search. Meanwhile, girls, something to blame, teeth that rob them of charm when they smile. Thousands of men whose livelihood depends on selling themselves to others have the same weakness of appearance to blame. They don't know it or notice it, but the people they contact do. You may or may not be one of those people, but if you have the slightest suspicion that you are, try the new Colonel toothpaste a high-polishing toothpaste. You'll find colonos helps remove those dingy, unattractive surface stains from your teeth. Brings out all the natural luster and brilliance that adds so much to your smile. Start using the new colonos tonight. Remember, it's a high-polishing toothpaste. You can get colonos, K-O-L-Y-N-O-S, colonos toothpaste, at any drugstore. Now back to Mr. Keene's office. And the continuation of the case of the lovely singing star, Lola Bennett.
2: Well, here you are, boss. I got three back numbers of Footlights at mention. Oh, thanks, Mike. The first goes back about eight years, when she was just a kid. Mm. A review of a portable act that opened in St. Paul. Billy, the song and dance man. The reviewer says a strictly mediocre act. It may do for the sticks, but will never make the palladium. Now, this paragraph here. Accompanied Billy with a pretty little stooge called Lola Bennett, who had nothing to do but be sung at. Now look at the second paper, Mr. Lee. 84 years later, from Akron, Ohio. Now the act is called Billy and Lola. About this minor league vaudeville act that premiered here last night, nothing much can be said for or against the male heart, Billy. But the little blonde who shared the bill, Lola Bennett, showed unusual promise. Two of her numbers sung with refreshing sincerity brought down the house. Very interesting. Read that third item, Boss. It goes back just two years. Now the act is called Lola Bennett and Billy. <laughs> right. One of the most novel fan singers heard in these parts lately opened last night at the Star. A voice full of honey and captivating personality. Should go far with the right training. The act was completed by a novelty instrument number from Billy. Different, but was it good? Well, boss, what do you make of it? The old story of show business. The pupil outgrowing the master. Lola made the palladium, but Billy never did. Billy? Oh, was, <sighs> That's your private phone, boss. Hello? Hello. Keene Company. Keen, this is Harry Forbes. You know the saxophone player? Yes, uh. Good afternoon, Mr. Forbes. I'm good. But my dear fellow. Don't try to put Lola's
1: disappearance on me. I have nothing to do
2: with it. How did you ever get my private phone number?
1: From Skip Corden, And I've warned him too.
2: Lay off me or else. Or else what? Lay
1: off me, that's all. Did
2: you hear any of that, Mike? Huh, I did. A maniac. Well, don't you think that he well, with the suspicions we got. Well, him never mind. For another reason. Each of these reviews mentions other acts that appeared on the same bill, Mike. I'd like to find some of those other people. It'll take a lot of digging. But it may give us very valuable information. Try the booking agencies, Mike, and the actors' hotel at once. Okay, I'm on my way.
3: Well, nice, Mr. Keene, if somebody remembers me after all these years out of show business.
2: I gather, Mrs. Hall, that you once had a comedy act.
3: Ah, wasn't much, but it made folks laugh.
2: On at least one occasion, you played the same theater with a song and dance man called Billy.
3: Billy, uh, Oh, sure. Kind of a sour puss.
2: Why do you say that?
3: Well, I had his heart set on getting to Broadway. Wasn't good enough.
2: What was his surname, Mrs. Hall?
3: Surname? Um, Billy, that, that's all he was ever called.
2: Hmm. You remember his
3: partner? Oh, sure. Lola Bennett. He hired her in St. Paul after his regular partner walked out on him.
2: But what's become of Billy?
3: Billy, oh... Well, I couldn't tell
2: you. Yes, Major Tiny? I'm looking for an old performer called Billy.
3: I remember him, Mr. Keene. My midget ex-proofed all over Canada with him one winter in a unit show. Really? My, but what his wife had to put up with.
2: Wife, did you say?
3: Yes, Lola Bennett.
2: Oh, they were married.
3: Two years by then, but they weren't happy. Billy was so jealous.
2: Of the fact that she was becoming more successful than he?
3: That's right, Mr. King. He took to drink. Actually beat her up one night. I tried to stop him. Oh? He threatened to walk on me. Oh, a bad character.
2: What was his surname?
3: I never knew.
2: Would you have a photograph of him? No, sir. Thank you. Still one more chance. Sure, I know, Mr. King. When I was hopping on the Jackson circuit, see, I used to do a soft shoe number like this. Charming, Mr. Foley. Charming. Yeah, but strictly passe. I'm working up a new routine now like this. Uh, if I may be so rude, Mr. Foley. Yes. Yeah. How were they getting on when you knew them? Oh, terrible. You see, the booking agents were thumbs down on him. Why? Well, they said he trapped the act. The ball and chain. The guy tried everything. He even worked up a a novelty, a solo and a song on five different instruments, you know, one after the other. Mm. Still no soap. But Lola stuck by him. Much good it did her. Guy was a maniac, talking crazy all the time about making a palladium, hitting Broadway. Well, it got so bad, she finally had to divorce him. I see. By the way, what instruments did he play in that novelty number? Mm, clarinet, fiddle. The saxophone, too? Yes, yeah, saxophone, all right. Yeah, that was his best. Would you by any chance have a photograph of him? A photo? Let's see, uh, for Winston Buffalo... Yes? We all gave a hospital benefit, and the newspapers took photos. Could you find that photograph? Well, now, if I dig around on my press book, I might. I might. See. Let's have a look. Keene and Company. This is Skip Gordon, Mr. Keene. Oh, good morning, Skip. I haven't heard from you in days. Any news, Mr. Keene? There may be tonight. I can reach you at the palladium still? Yeah, and we're on for the rest of this week. You know, I got some news for you. Really? Harry Forbes, the saxophone player, walked out of the band last night. We can't locate him. Hmm. That puts the finger on him, I guess. It certainly looked like that. If he's the guy, if he's harmed Lola in any way. Oh, Skip, uh, to be perfectly frank, I'm afraid somebody has harmed her. The King? Who? How? I'll probably have the answer for you tonight. Meanwhile, I must use the phone for a very important call. Okay. See you tonight. What's Good. I'd like very much to talk to your manager. Good evening, Charlie. Uh, Good evening, Mr. Keene. Any luck yet locating Lola Bennett, Mr. Keene? Yes and no. I don't get it. In a few minutes, a package may arrive here at the Palladium for me. Ask the delivery man to wait before bringing it in. I want to talk to him. Yes, sir. Meanwhile, where's Mr. Skip Gordon? On stage, introducing a number. By the way, Charlie, the uh, night that Miss Bennett disappeared, was anything moved out of here? No, sir. Uh, but something came in. Uh, some props for our next stage show. I see. Well, uh, Mr. Gordon should be coming off the wings any minute now. The new singer? Yeah, replacing Miss Bennett. But not half good. Oh, I see Mr. Gordon there now. Hello, Miss Keene. Hello, Skip. Well, what's the word? Kip, you may have to brace yourself for really bad news. Dead, huh? Dead. Yes, I'm afraid so. The final sacrifice to a very selfish man. Oh. Forbes? Reeves? I'll kill whoever it was. That is, Kip. We'll see that justice is done. All was such a well kid. Yes. Time for you to go on stage again, huh? Yeah. Yeah, the show goes on. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's your master ceremony to get. About to introduce the rip-snorting arrangements of the hits of the season, pistol, pack Packet Mama. Oh, Mr. Keene. Mr. Keene. Yes, Charlie, I'm coming. Uh, the delivery man came. He's waiting for you. Good, Charlie. I'll walk back with you. If you want any help bringing it in, I... Uh, all that noise. Uh, come, let's find a quiet place. Go into this dressing room. No. No. This... this was Miss Bennett. You don't believe in ghosts, Charlie. Why, what do you mean? Charlie, look at this wardrobe trunk with Miss Bennett's costume. Oh, what about it? He really had two trunks. Two. when the express company came that night to deliver a certain props, somebody ordered one of the trunks taken away. Where to? He address. Was already labeled on, just as on this one. It was sent to the next place where Miss Bennett was engaged to sing, the Skytop Club. Who, who was responsible for that? It's no mystery to me any longer. A very jealous man, a former husband. I think of the producer. You stay here. i was staying nowhere. Oh yes, you are. I'm going out now to have the delivery man bring in that package for me. Listen, him. I'm not staying. You're going to watch me open Ms. Bennett's second trunk. The one that went to the Skytop Club. I'm having it brought in. I'm watching nothing. he will open the trunk right here in her dressing room. And just between ourselves, there are police stationed at every exit. The killer will never get out of this theater. You? You found her in the trunk? <laughs> Let me out of here. I... No, you're staying right here. I'm locking you in this dressing room. Oh, hello, Skip. I came off for a breather while the band is playing. What's that? Skip, my boy. It's too bad that Lola didn't meet somebody like you years ago. Unfortunately, the man she did once marry was insanely jealous and possessive. He couldn't bear to see her succeed where he had failed. She tried her best to help him, but... Well, I'd like you to know this much, Skip. She loved you for your generosity. He valued you about anybody in the world. But but who killed her? Who was the man? A man she ran into again the moment she reached this tip Three weeks ago. Donald, those pistol shots. Didn't you notice something peculiar then, Skip? Hey, what do you mean? One shot was nearer than any of the others. She creepers, you mean? It came from this dressing room. Quick, get that door open. Charlie. The doorman. He shot himself. It is a doornail. Mr. Keene, was he the guy? Yes. A former husband. That's the way he killed Lola that night. He fired the pistol during the band number. Charlie. A doorman. An old and disappointed performer. He made the palladium with the most tragic performance of his life.
1: And so ends the case of the girl who sang too well. Listen next week at the same time as Mr. Keene brings us another of his baffling cases, The Man Who Didn't Come Home. Today, the girl or a woman who wants to be popular knows that one of her most important assets is a charming smile, and teeth that sparkle and gleam. Knows that no matter how smartly she may dress or make up, teeth that are dingy and discolored-looking instantly create an unfavorable impression. And the same is true of the man in business, whose very livelihood depends on selling himself. He knows how quickly discolored-looking teeth can bring failure. That's why today thousands of smart and successful men and women are changing to the new Kalanose high-polishing toothpaste. Go for your own sake. Try the new Kalanose toothpaste yourself. It works like a jeweler's polish on tarnished silver. Dulls, revealing the natural brilliance and sparkle of your teeth. Ask for Colonel Toothpaste, Face, K-O-L-Y-N-O-S, at your drugstore tonight. You've just been listening to Mr. Keene, tracer of Lost Persons. Now on the air at a new time, every Thursday night... 7.30 to 8 Eastern Wartime over this network. Don't miss Mr. Keene next Thursday night when the kindly old Tracer turns to the case of the man who didn't come home. This is Larry Elliott saying goodnight for the makers of still Face and Mr. Keene, Tracer of Lost Persons. <laughs>
0: Stay tuned for Abbott and Costello, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. Hey,
5: Abbott, what time is it? It's time for the Abbott-Costello Show. We're on the air for ABC here in Hollywood. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's go with
0: the Abbott and Costello Show. <laughs> Yes, it's the Abbott and Costello Show, produced and transcribed in Hollywood for your listening and laughing pleasure. Chuckles with a carload and music by Matty Malnick. So hold on to your chairs, folks, for here they are,
5: Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. Hey! Right, quiet down. Get money cooker! Quiet, quiet down, quiet down, quiet yeah. down. Quiet down! What are you doing with those boxing gloves? I'm going to enter the Golden Gloves Tournament. I've been training. You a price fighter? Yes, I'm known as Butcher Boy Costello. Butcher Boy Costello? Yes, I gave my opponent a left to the heart, a right to the kidneys, a left to the chops, and a right cross to the short ribs. And then? He knocked me on my pot roast. <laughs> you don't even look like a fighter. Being strong is all in the mind, you know, Costello. It is? Sure. You you have to think strong Think of Atlas And you'll have a shape like him Think of Hercules And you'll have a a shape like his That method won't work with me, Abbott Why not? I keep thinking of Rita Hayworth. (laughs) What do you think will happen to you If you got knocked around And got punched, drunk, and goofy? I can always be a straight man like you Sure you can (laughs) How do you think you'd look with a cauliflower ear? A mushroom nose and a squash face. I'd be the only guy in Hollywood with a built in home garden. Uh, Costello, you're a moron. Uh, what's that? You're a moron. That's enough, Abbott. One more word out of you and I'll fight. Idiot. That ain't the word.
6: <laughs>
5: Costello, you're in a class with an imbecile. I know. Want me to help you out with your homework? I'll get it out of here. <laughs> Terrible. I never saw you looking so bad, Lou. What happened to you? What happened? Yeah. You know what happened. What? I don't get a chance to do nothing on the show. Oh, stop. Oh, I went to that quiz show. Truth or coincidences? Uh- <laughs> they asked me a question. When I, when I didn't give them the answer, they hit me over the head with a, a crowbar and ripped my clothes off and hit me in the face with a pie and squirted dirty water all over me. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, but the joke was on them. It was? Mm-hmm. I knew the answer all the time. <laughs> You should quit hanging around quiz shows Trying to win something for nothing You ought to get yourself a job and go to work I tried to I studied to be a bartender I went to the bartender school for two years And I still can't get a job Why not? I can't fix a television set I, <laughs> I... I thought so You're just stupid Your whole family is stupid Oh, how can you say that? My Uncle Mike is a very brilliant man He invented the cotton gin The telephone and the steamboat What about Whitney, Bell, and Fulton? Leave the Andrews sisters out of this I... <laughs> Mike doing now, Lou? He's part-time lifeguard at the Del Mar Hotel swimming pool. Are you kidding? Uncle Mike can't even swim. That's why he's only working (laughs) part-time. He had a lot of trouble with Aunt May last week. He did? Yeah, he got her a new set of false teeth and he told her not to take them out. He begged her not to take them out. He pleaded with her not to take them out, but she did. What happened? Her head collapsed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, your Aunt May is quite a woman, Lou. She she raised quite a family. Oh, yes. Three years ago at the Patterson Fair... She won first prize for having the most little boys in one family. She had 15 little boys. Mm -mm. What was first prize? A little boy. (laughs) Never mind that. Whatever happened to your Aunt May's uh, younger sister? Oh, she graduated from high school this year. And she's so excited, she's going to Harvard. Harvard? Harvard is a boys' school. Yeah, that's why she's so excited. (laughs) She's going to Harvard. That's ridiculous. None of your family ever went to college. Is that so? I'm taking a night course right now at UCLA. Well, no, I'm glad. In other words, that's Euclid. Oh, well, there's got right. out of UCLA. I'm glad to hear it, Lou. Uh, how are you making out? Not so good. Monday night, the teacher asked each pupil to bring something that would show what they want to be when they, when they get out of school. Well, now, it sounds interesting. Yeah, one guy wanted to be a policeman, so he brought a button off a policeman's uniform. One girl wanted to be a nurse, so she brought a button off a nurse's uniform. Another guy wanted to be a fireman, so he brought a button off a fireman's uniform. what did you bring? Nothing. Why not? I wanted to be married. How are you going to get a button off of that? <laughs> You want to be married. You don't know the first thing about marriage. You don't even know what it takes to make a marriage. I do so. It only takes two people to make a marriage. Well, that's right. A single girl and an anxious mother. (laughs) As far as I'm concerned, marriage is a three-ring circus. What do you mean a three-ring circus? Well, first the engagement ring. Yes. Then the wedding ring. Yes. And then suffering. Oh, stop. (laughs) Are you still going with that striptease dancer at the burlesque show? Oh, sure. Every night I bring her three roses. Does she wear them? She has to. It's her custom. What about that new girl that's moving in the apartment next to you? Well, I tell you, Abbott, I had a date with her, and she's a bachelor girl. Well, what makes you think she's a bachelor girl? She looks more like a bachelor than she does a girl. What well, girl is she, Lou? Abbott, asking a girl's age is like buying a used car. What do you mean? Well, you know the speedometer has been set back, but you don't know how far. <laughs> Where did you take her on the date? Well, we went to a soda fountain and had one of those fancy dishes. You know, ice cream and bananas. Split? No, I paid the whole check. I...
6: <laughs> uh, well, she
5: doesn't sound like she doesn't sound like the kind of girl for you, Costello. Tell me, do you still uh, do you still date that cute little uh, blonde from Ramona? Oh, sure. I had a date to go horseback riding with her last night. You did? Yes, we rode along through the moonlight. It was beautiful. Her horse was nuzzling my horse. My horse was nuzzling her horse. Ah, must have been fun. It was for the horses. My girl didn't show up. (laughs) (laughs) I guess she saw it me because I bought her mother a girdle, and her mother got mad, too. Well, uh, what size does her mother wear? Small, medium, or large? Oh, no, no, no. Women's girdles don't come in those sizes, Abbott. They don't? Oh, no, no. What sizes do they come in? Large, larger, and here comes the showboat. (laughs) Uncle Bud Hello, Uncle Louie It's Abbott's nephew, folks I left orders with the doorman not to let you win Now, how did you get past him? I held your script under his nose and then stepped over his body
6: <laughs> There
5: must be a way to keep this guy out of here Now, I've got it I'll hypnotize him Come over here, Norman Oh, uh, Now, wait a minute, Costello What are you gonna do to him? I'm gonna hypnotize him and put him to sleep Look me straight in the eye, Norman Okay You're going to sleep abba sleep. abba sleep. abba sleep. I, th- I think it's working, Uncle Louie. It is? Yeah, my abba is asleep. <laughs> now, you lay off, Norman. He's my sister Olive's boy. And Olive's a very lovely person and a big woman in this town. I notice that. Your sister Olive is built like the state of Indiana. Uh, just what do you mean? She has a large South Bend. I. <laughs> My sister Olive is a leader of society. Before she moved to Hollywood, she was the rage of Kansas City. Your sister Olive would throw any city into a rage. <laughs> she came to the right place when she came to Hollywood. She's a typical Hollywood girl. What do you mean? A Hollywood girl at 30 has wrinkles. At 35, she has gray hair. And at 40, she becomes a blonde and starts all over again. <laughs> I'll say what you want about my sister Olive, but she's a very well educated woman. She's a college graduate. And she has a sheepskin. I noticed that. She ought to try using Jurgens' lotion. I... <laughs> you, know, you, you know, you have no business ridiculing my family. Now, last week, you were picking on my wife. My wife comes from one of the finest families in California. She's a Tracy. Any relation to Dick Tracy? Uh, <laughs> certainly not. Certainly not. Dick Tracy is a character in a comic book. Your wife is no oil painting. Uh, <laughs> look, Costello, it's our secretary, Viola Vaughn. Well, Viola, 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 you certainly look lovely tonight. What is that you're wearing?
7: Oh, do you like it? This is my nightclub dress.
5: Nightclub dress?
7: Uh-huh.
5: Don't you get it at it? No cover. No cover. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you look gorgeous tonight. You and I would make a lovely pair. We'd be just like a couple of lovebirds. Would we? Oh, I'll show you. First, I put one wing around you like this. Uh-huh. Then I put my other wing around you like this. Then I put, then I beak up close to your beak. Then I coo softly.
7: Oh, what do I do?
5: Don't oh, stand there, Viola. Drop a worm in his mouth. <laughs> Cut it out. I'm serious about her. And you're not. Why, Viola, I'd bring you the moon on a silver platter.
7: Oh, that's wonderful, Abbott. How about you, Costello? Would you bring me the moon on a silver platter?
5: Would I look like a waiter? <laughs> The moon on a silver platter is a poetic expression like they use in song. Oh, you know I wrote a song about the moon? A very beautiful thing, too.
7: What's the name of it?
5: I call it Carolina Moon, What Are You Doing Over Glendale? (laughs) Stop, Costello. You know nothing about writing songs. Oh, I not only write songs, I sing them. Why, when I was in kindergarten every morning, I would get up in front of the class and sing Rockabye Baby all the way through.
7: Why, that was marvelous.
5: Yeah, there was nothing to it. I was 21 years old at the time. (laughs) you know any other songs, Costello? Oh, every night I lay in bed and I sing an Irish lullaby.
8: Did
7: that put you to sleep, Costello?
5: Certainly. You don't think I'd stay awake and listen to that howling, do you?
7: Well, I saw you last night, Costello. I saw you. You had a cat on a leash. Hey, that certainly is a funny-looking cat. Is he yours?
5: Yes, he's mine. He's a football cat. I call him First Down. What do you name the cat First Down? Every night, he's got ten yards to go.
7: <laughs> well, instead of being out walking a cat on a leash, a boy your age ought to be out with a girl.
5: Well, I like cats better. They're smarter than girls anyway. What makes you say the cats are smarter than girls? Well, Abbott, no matter how a girl tries, she can't wash her face with her tongue. (laughs) Pay no attention to them, Viola. Why don't you come over and see the preview of our new picture, Viola? Huh? I do some love scenes in the picture, and I I want you to see my my fade-out kiss. You mean she'll see your faded-out kisser? (laughs) Anyway, Viola has got a date with me.
7: Well, I don't think I'm going to keep it, Costello. Why not? Well, last Sunday he took me riding and he insisted I wear a riding habit. Naturally. Monday he took me hiking and he insisted I wear a hiking suit. Naturally. Tuesday he took me to dinner and he insisted I wear a dinner gown.
5: Naturally. Well, why are you breaking the day tonight?
7: Tonight he wants to take me to a birthday party. Uh-
6: <laughs>
5: well, that did it. It's been a lot of fun and it's been a beautiful evening up to now, Mabel.
7: Mabel? My name is Viola.
5: Well, whatever your name is, it's certainly been fun. Get him out of here! gentlemen, Abbott and I heard a young singer in New York several weeks ago, and we liked him very much, and we brought him back to Hollywood to join our show, and here he is, and we hope you like him too, Hal Winters.
9: El kumba Cumba, Cumba, cumba a bongo, 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 bongo sero. Brigidikivas sonando con boncero. Bongo sero que se va. Bongo sero que se va. El kumba, 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 kumbanero. A bongo, 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 bongo sero. Brigidikivas sonando con boncero. Bongo sero que se va. Bongo sero que se va. Mi suenorita. Rickety, bom bom bomba. Y sueño, ripica, brickety, bom ba El Cumba, 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 cumboncero. A bango, 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 bango cero. Rickety, que vas soando, cumboncero, bango cero, que se va, bango cero, que se va. Bacumbacumbacum kumba, Bango 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 Sero, Bango Bango Cerro Bango 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 when you're the bum Is when you're in bango bango
5: Stella, something's got to be done about the parking conditions around this studio. Tonight, I couldn't see a parking space in front of the studio, in back of the studio, or even across the street from the studio. Could be worse. Uh, what do you mean? Yeah, but suppose you had a car. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> well, never mind that. Did your Uncle Mike drive you down here tonight? No, my Uncle Mike just took his California driver's test today. You should have seen him. He got in a car with the inspector, backed into a truck, bumped into a street car, and then he crashed into a stone wall. Did he pass? We won't know till next Wednesday. Why not? That's the day the inspector gets out of the hospital <laughs> uh, Did your Uncle Mike go to see his favorite uh, program? What's Doing Ladies? Yes And there was a line in front of that studio two blocks long uh, Never mind that How did he like What's Doin' Ladies? I don't know By the time he got in, they were through doing it
6: <laughs>
5: <laughs> I don't know <laughs> You know, your Uncle Mike is an ignoramus He ought to get himself an education Yes, she has got one, Abbott. Why, 10 years ago, Uncle Mike was a garbage collector without an education. Then he went to night school and he graduated. And what a difference that made in him. What is he now? A garbage collector with an education. <laughs> <laughs> well, never mind him, Costello. What is your Sam shovel detective story for tonight? It's a fascinating case, Abbott. I call it the case of the curbstone murder or Gertie, get out of the gutter <laughs> and let the water go by. <laughs> and cream. Let's get on with the case. Yeah, let's
8: do that. And now the makers of Smudge Pot Cigarettes present the further adventures of Sam Shovel, private detective. But first, a word about our product, Smudgepot Cigarettes. Smudge Pots are the only cigarettes that contain no nicotine, no harmful tars, no tobacco. These cigarettes are made only from the finest domestic and Turkish towel (laughs) And remember our slogan Smudge pots are the only cigarettes that contain alum Our slogan is Pucker while you puff (laughs) Now go to your cigar store tonight They will give you a package of smudge pots for nothing The package has no sharp edges. Take them home and throw them in your dresser. What a cigarette, so free, so easy on the drawers. (laughs) (laughs) And now to the adventures of Sam Shovel, Private Detective.
5: Yes. Yes, I'm Sam Shovel, Private Detective. I'm sitting in my little office looking at my new office safe. This time, I got a real office safe. When I go home at night, I lock my office in it. I see a piece of string around my finger. Suddenly, I remember what it's for. It's to remind me to take the string off my finger. I' reach in my pocket for my tobacco. There's a big hole in my pocket. That's the last time I'll buy chewing tobacco. I can always choose a hole in my pocket.)
6: This detective
5: racket is plenty tough. You've got to work in all kinds of weather. Just listen to that wind howling outside. Shh! I'll give you that if you'll give me this. I'll give you this if you give me that. It's a trade wind.
6: <laughs> it was
5: such a nice night as this that I was called to solve the famous farmyard murder. A fiendish farmer had cut off his hired man's head. He hid it in the alfalfa. What a tough case. It was like finding a noodle in a haystack. (laughs) I decide to shave. I lather my face. The razor hums through my whiskers.
6: St. Louis woman with all her diamond rings.
5: I always use Gillette Blues blades. (laughs) I decide to dial up a little in case a client should come in. I put on my swallowtail coat. I take it off. Seems silly for a man my age to wear a coat made of swallowtail. <laughs> I notice the headline in the morning paper. The country is in a strange position. On the next page, it says eggs are going up. Chickens must be in a strange position, too.
6: <laughs>
5: <laughs> Suddenly, the phone rings. Hello? Yes, this is Sam Shovel, the detective. Somebody that wants me to handle a case. Yes? No. No, I can't work that, Chief. No, no, you know my prize. What's that? 5000 Okay, I'll take the case. Right, 5000 But remember, all Tootsie Rolls, no jelly beans. I thought of my friend, Lieutenant Abbott of the Homicide Squad... I might get him to help me on this case. Some people think Lieutenant Abbott has a screw loose in his head, but I know different. I tightened that screw in his head only yesterday. (laughs) One thing I will say for Lieutenant Abbott, he knows his onions. He can walk in any vegetable store and say, that's an onion. (laughs) But he's a real cop. Abbott don't know the meaning of the word intimidation. That's only one of a million words he don't know the meaning of. (laughs) Hello, Sam Shovel. It's my pal, Lieutenant Abbott of the Homicide Squad. Sam, I'd like to leave my new cowhide briefcase in your office. That's a pretty briefcase, Lieutenant. Yeah. It's genuine cowhide. Open it. (laughs) Moo. The cow is still hiding in it. There's a picture of your wife in it, too. She looks kind of different in this picture. It's her hair. She's wearing a pageboy. Don't she look nice? It's hard to tell. The page boy's feet are hanging down over her face.
6: Enough of this nonsense,
5: Sam. The cops caught an old friend of yours last night. Shirley, the shoplifter. Beautiful Shirley, the shoplifter. I once trailed her through a department store, through the shoe department, through the jewelry department, the furniture department, then I caught her in men's underwear. (laughs) This is serious, Sam. Shirley is in the prison hospital. She's unconscious. She keeps moaning, Perry. Perry! Perry! You must be in the state of Como.
6: <laughs> Sam, if you
5: want to see Shirley alive, we'd better get over to the hospital at once. Let's go. We arrived at the hospital. We were walking down the corridor. I was reading the signs on the door. Dr. Kildare, surgery, back in 10 minutes. Dr. Nichols, surgery, back in 15 minutes. Dr. Condon, perjury, back in 20
6: years.
8: (laughs) Sam,
5: here comes the doctor that's taking care of Shirley, the shoplifter. He looks like a phony to me.
8: I heard that, young man. I'll have you know that I've operated on over 300 patients, and I never lost a single one of them. You didn't? No, I know where each one of them is buried.
6: (laughs)
5: Doctor,
8: can we go in and see Shirley now? Yes, but don't stay too long, please. The patient must not have too much excitement. Why not? How do I know? All the radio doctors say that.
6: <laughs>
8: My goodness. Aren't you Sam Shovel, the detective? That's me. Man, from the looks of you, you need medical attention. Uh, Shovel, if you come here tomorrow between 2 and 4 or between 6 and 8, remember, between 2 and 4 or 6 and 8, I'll examine your head. Why can't I come between four and six? That's when they're examining my head.
5: <laughs> come on, Sam Shovel. Here's Shirley's room.
9: Uh, oh, poor Shirley, my poor Shirley.
5: Sir, who are you? And what are you doing here?
9: I'm Shirley's father. She's in the next room. She's got a None of the doctors will operate on her. I'm afraid she'll die.
5: Cheer up, friend. I will operate on Shirley.
9: You? I thought you were a
5: detective. Before I became a detective, I was known as Young Dr. Shovel. Are you sure you can do it, Sam? Am I sure I can do it? Certainly. I'll skin out to the car and get my satchel of surgical instruments. (laughs) Thank goodness he's got his satchel. She's right in there, Sam. Here I go. Has anybody got a hammer? Here's a hammer. Thanks. Thanks. Anybody got a chisel? Here's a chisel. Anybody got a blowtorch? Wait a minute, Sam. Sam. Hammer, chisel, blowtorch. What are you doing to Shirley? What, Shirley? First, I got to open my satchel. <laughs> Costello, with Sam Shovel, you were really digging him up tonight. <laughs> Get it? Shovel, digging them up? <laughs> it, it's a joke, son. I, I dug up a joke. Yes, and you'd better bury it again. <laughs> Abbott, let's leave the jokes to our writers. You mean we got writers? Oh, he's only kidding, folks. He knows our writing staff. We're headed by Eddie Foreman with Paul Conlon, Pat Costello, Martin Ragaway, and Len Stern. And I know that our producer is Charles Vanda. That's pretty good for Abbott, folks, when you consider Vanda's only been on the show two years. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, folks. Good night, everybody. Good night.
2: Listen, it's Thursday night at this time
1: for another great Abbott and Costello show produced transcribed in Hollywood. Be sure to stay
9: tuned for the outstanding entertainment which follows throughout the evening on this ABC station.
0: Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's lights out followed by The Jack Benny Show. Thanks to Joel Schonewell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.